welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Hey, 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 everybody. Happy Memorial Day weekend. What's up? I got, well, I got my my best buddy, Andy Stumpf. What's up, dude? What's going on, man? Happy Memorial Day weekend. We're a day away from Memorial Day, so. We are. Happy for some, uh, not happy for others, but it's, uh, yeah, it's an important weekend, I think, for this country. That's a good, that's actually a good point. We need to, it's kind of like when you're, um, when someone posts something on social media and your only your only way to respond to it is to like make a heart next to it we need we need the options to to be able to do that happy memorial day is that's not the right way to put it is it needs a needs to be um, a different needs to be a different word i agree i don't know what the word would be um you know most people well actually i take that back not most people that's bad that's a bad way to open the show uh quite a few people confuse uh veterans day and memorial day um and i maybe we even start there so obviously veterans day is later in the year and that's the the day where you kind of thank uh active duty people and those who have served who are still alive and i think that can be more of a celebration of their service and memorial day is a day to remember those who in my opinion at least sacrifice far more than anybody should be asked to and and if it doesn't touch your life, it's an easy one to forget. And I just, I personally happen to know quite a few families that spend this weekend trying to remember loved ones that aren't there and, you know, telling young kids about moms and dads that should have been there, but they aren't. And so it has a much different meaning. So I don't know what word would be for Memorial Day weekend. If it's, I don't know. But that's yeah. what it's for. That's yeah, what it, it is. Just needs to be remembering probably. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I guess that's a better way I'd to go. put it. What um, what's what uh, what's do you have one do you have one thing that sticks out that you'd want to share or remember for Memorial Day, for Memorial Day? Is there one that sticks out? Mm. Kind of putting you on the spot, but you are putting me on the spot. Shotgun me. I like it. <laughs> it's almost like when we're walking around in the woods and you say, "Hey, knock an arrow," and I go, "What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't even see anything." <laughs> And the next thing you know, a massive beast walks out, and I generally miss, which is awesome. Uh, you know, for me, it has... I mean, there's always people that um, that you will remember. For me, probably one of the toughest days that I've ever had as a human being, uh, and I actually wrote a blog post about this and referenced this individual, but it was the funeral of a buddy of mine that was killed in 2006. And... The whole event leading up to it from, I remember I was at my parents' house. We had just left the East Coast in Virginia Beach, and I got a call from a buddy of mine. And any call that starts with, hey, man, are you sitting down right now, is obviously not going to be a good call. And, uh, you know, he proceeded to say that uh, Jason had just been killed. There was really no details about what had happened, and that starts quite a chain of events. And most of the chain of events is around basically trying to get to the family to support them. And this particular family was from Connecticut. So we began the 
pretty rapid mad scramble my wife and i to head out there i mean i forgot my dress blues i was a mess um it was really the first close friend that i had lost and then sitting at that funeral uh, was one of the hardest things that i've that i've ever really done and jason was i'd known jason for a really long time we had essentially started our careers together and worked every day together for five years and he there's a memory of in my head of who he was and then there was the person that was in the coffin and his death was pretty violent. Uh, he was sitting in the back of a Humvee and an explosive penetrating device went off and essentially almost took his head off. So uh, for better or for worse, the family decided to do an open casket funeral, which was very difficult for me. And I didn't, uh, I didn't want to look at him because it had such a profound impact on me. And sitting there as they were wrapping up the ceremony and watching his wife and his young kids, and I don't think his kids remember it, Two of them were extremely young. Uh, his oldest couldn't have been more than three at the time. Uh, you know, saying goodbye to their dad. And that, that for me, those moments for me, that was the first of many, unfortunately. And I actually, I stopped going to funerals. Uh, and I'm not proud of that fact by any stretch of the imagination, but I literally couldn't bring myself to go to anymore. Um, it just, they have a, a it weighs on me very heavily. I don't do well with funerals. I don't know if it's the bagpipes, which is impossible not to cry when you hear bagpipes playing, uh, especially at a funeral. But those, I mean, that's those are the memories that stick with me the most. And it's uh, I was working out yesterday, uh, surprisingly enough, and as I was on the run, for whatever reason, I was, I was thinking about Jason, literally having a conversation with the guy as I was running around the block. I'm sure neighbors uh, probably called the police on me saying there was a madman having a conversation with himself. But once it touches you, it's hard to put down, and so that's what I—that's what I kind of focus this weekend on—is things like that. Yeah, I just, uh, man, I've—I just every every single day I've sat down in the morning with my cup of coffee, and I've tried to—I've tried to think about something that any person that made that sacrifice would be happy that I was thinking about. You know, something about what I appreciate about the country or what I appreciate that. They helped provide by that sacrifice. Um, this morning, I was actually remembering two situations: one with my grandfather, but then another one was with my dad. And I actually made a post. I saw your post. Yeah, yeah, I made a post about it. It was, it was the first time I had ever seen my dad cry. Like I thought my dad was bulletproof for you know forever, because um, <laughs> he was. Um, and I guess I don't mean that in, in that form of text, but, um, my dad was, my dad was, um, he's just way more of an athlete than I am. I mean, I remember when I was being recruited for football, he could, you know, he was in his 40, I think he was my age or, or older. He could still throw a football further than me, and like it's not like he threw one every day, but he could still throw a football further than me. Um, he could he could still beat me in a hundred yard dash without shoes. Um, when my dad came home from Vietnam, my mom told me that she used to have to take his jeans and cut them up to the knee and then sew in four inches because his his calves were twenty seven inches around. He was just always yeah. He was always just a beast. <laughs> he was a beast, dude. He could he could touch the he could touch the square on the top of the backboard, um, just out of high school. You know his vertical was was ridiculous, and he's you know he's shorter than me, but 
he's just one of those athletes who um no matter what he did he just did it better and it may you know and he in a nice way just kind of always reminded me no matter i actually remember one time um i was i had been recruited i was as big i was as big as i'd ever been i was I would say I was, I don't know if I was as strong as I am now, but I was darn close. And I remember my dad was um, in his closet getting some clothes out because um, he's very systematic, has all of his shirts in a perfect order and his jackets. And he, uh, he dre- you know, he dresses and he dresses nice every day. All of his stuff's in order. Um other than the fact his socks never match, he's colorblind, so he can't, he can't match colors worth a damn. But I remember, <laughs> I remember, I came up behind him, and I just like grabbed him in this bear hug. As about, and I kind of had as much as I could on him, and I just had him his arms pinned down, <laughs> and I said, "I go, what are you gonna do now, old man?" And he goes, "I'm gonna give you three seconds to let me go before I teach you a lesson." And I said, oh, yeah, what's that? And he just, and, like, as soon as it hit three, I remember he he stomped my foot as hard as you could. Like, he didn't give a shit that I was going to be playing ball or nothing. He just literally tried to break my foot in half, reached back and grabbed my ball sack as hard as he could and just ripped me into the closet. <laughs> and he's just like, well, that's what I would good start. God. He's like, that's what I'd start with. <laughs> I just said, okay. Never mind. I'm, I'm never good. mess. Never mess with old man strength. I don't know where it comes from or what age you are when you start possessing it, but you never mess with old men ever. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I've had that. I well, I, I thought I had old man strength, but it, it actually kind of petered out, and then I then I fell into a big state of depression. Have I ever told you about the? T- <laughs> <laughs> Have I ever told you about the time when? Um, I think it was a year ago. Actually, it was. I I told Harry, I said, hey, do you want to go run together? And he goes, well, I'm not supposed to really, I'm not supposed to be running heavy right now. I just got to have like, do go light. And I said, oh yeah, we'll just go light. Let's just go do five miles. And dude, he's just like, okay, well, I'm just going to run on like an easy pace. Well, at about mile two and a half, I am literally thinking I'm going to die trying to keep up with him and i'm thinking don't let him beat you don't like because i he had he had like i'd kept up with him until this point always and he was like running he's like are you okay and i'm thinking oh shit he sees a weakness and i'm like yeah man why and he's just like he's like i don't know i keep slowing down and i'm like what and he goes yeah we're like our pace is decelerating dude we gotta get it going i said well i'll just i'll keep up i said just give me i said just run at your pace and he's like okay well he said yeah I've got, i want to just keep my pace so next thing i know about i don't know half a mile later he's i can barely see him he's like at the end of this neighborhood we're running through and he's looking back and he's like kind of like give me like the thumbs up like are you okay and then finally i just like waved over my head i'm like just go <laughs> like i was just i knew I, at that point i had a my dad's strength was gone. I officially am not as good as Harriet running. So it was a depressing day. I think, 
you got to fake an injury at that point. I would start um, saying like you blew your calf out or you blew out your ACL NCL combo, but you were still going just to try to make him feel better. You get a lateral on that one. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It was, uh, yeah, it was a depressing moment. But my dad, my dad, I thought was, uh, I thought was bulletproof. And then, uh, yeah, he took me out. We drove in a car to Washington D.C. to see the Vietnam Memorial. And I remember it was the first time I saw him cry and break down. And it wasn't like a, it wasn't a small one. It was, it was, it was a lot for a very long period of time. He broke down and, um, and I remember it's when he, you know, he was going through the wall and then I think he found someone with the name Dudley. There was someone with the name Dudley, I think, or, um, or he kind of saw where his name should fit type thing. And then I can't, I actually don't really remember if he said I should be on here or if he said I could be on here. Um, but it was, it was really hard on him. It was the first time I ever saw him, you know, cry. And then, um, my family's been through some stuff with, with, um, with my dad i don't know if you know he probably doesn't want me to talk much about it but he's been through you know he's had to be um helped through some post-traumatic syndrome issues um mainly stuff that that got triggered um from something that happened in our local community and my dad's a psychologist so he actually got called in to to uh help some people um, that were dealing with some things and, uh, and then for whatever reason, I think there was a trigger. So, uh, I've seen the effects of the people who have been through some of that, that mess. And, um, so yeah, I just think it's important to, to think about on this weekend, as much as I love cooking on my Traeger, sadly, um, it's kind of the last thing on my mind cause I'm trying to I'm trying to really think about those. Obviously, I was thinking about um, you today. I listened to that. Po- I listened to your podcast today with um, with you and and Bridges. It was a good podcast. Um, but just thinking about some of the stuff that you guys saw and went through is is uh, I just I just don't think anyone who hasn't been through there can relate to it. And I just certainly hope people try to remember this weekend the way that it's supposed to and and uh not just think about it as a three-day weekend where you get an extra day to to get hammered and grill hot dogs and hamburgers you know i think you should uh try to at least put some time into remembering those who gave the ultimate sacrifice well i think you definitely should get hammered yeah Um, afterwards that's like a afterwards so just on days that ended why or longer weekends but yeah yeah i mean what you said is I, I agree and the one thing i'll say is you should you should grill on your trigger you should have the barbecue you should go out and celebrate your life like i love seeing people get out and do stuff like that i mean to me having no having known personally quite a few people who have given their life overseas I don't think any of them, even if they knew it was going to happen, would have changed the course of their actions. Uh, And those people, 
would want nothing more than for everybody else in the country to live their life to the fullest. I think I think that's a lot of the motivation why um, some people choose to serve is that so other people don't have to and so that they can enjoy the freedoms that we do have. So you absolutely should go out there and do that. But I think the point you made is is accurate. Is you know while you're doing that, instead of just focusing on the people that are around you or just on yourself, you know, take a few moments to just think about and remember what it is that we have and the cost that happens to be associated with that. I mean, like you're talking about your dad and I had the same experience with my father. We didn't go to the wall together, but I know he had that same uh, type of overwhelming experience of the wall. And I've been there myself and I don't know anybody um, whose name is on that wall. But for me, I can't walk from uh, one side of it to the other without, you know, tears, tears running down my face. And the reality is, is that nobody is bulletproof. Uh, some people are just better at containing, I think, the emotions, which is why uh, probably on every single day of the week and every day of the year, you'll see that who served in Vietnam probably broken down in tears at the wall itself because it's so powerful and it kind of breaks down through those through those barriers that you set up for yourself. I mean, it's a and the reality is it's an ugly thing um, to do for a profession. If you're in the profession of arms and you happen to be serving in a time of war, it's a very it's a very ugly thing, and there's no way to escape it. I mean, the only person that I know of that has no problems from it is myself, just because I'm perfect in every way. But uh, everybody else I know deals with it. They try to deal with it up front, or they end up in a situation where uh, it comes spilling through the dam that they've set up. And obviously, I was joking about myself not having issues because <laughs> I have those same experiences myself. It's, I mean, it's tough. You. I try not to cry in front of my kids and at the same time I want them to understand that I'm human and you have this desire to like, you know, keep it together, keep it together, keep it together. You know, as you're keeping it together, it's not necessarily going away. It's just going to take another time to come out and it's probably going to pair up with some other stuff that you've decided to uh, try to keep it together with. And it can get, it can get pretty emotional. It's a tough one. I had the same experience when I went to the nine 11 Memorial, um, just standing there at those water falls or fountains. I don't know what they'd be classified as. And, just kind of like running your fingers over the names and looking at all the names. It's, I mean, that event changed the trajectory of my life. And I mean, I was a mess for like a half hour just sitting on a park bench. It's tough. Um, you know, what we have comes at a cost and it, it doesn't cost anybody anything to take a little bit of time to remember. Yeah, exactly. Well, with that, I'm going to crack this open. Ooh, I just <laughs> sprayed my screen. Did you just pour- <laughs> As you said, you just pour that all over your keyboard. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it, it was That's a, not how you do that. It was a kill cliff. <laughs> I think part of the problem was Shocker. it's a it's a kill cliff that I'm trying to put into uh, this Yeti koozie, which is about three inches too short <laughs> for this can. So yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and it rattles around in there like a hot dog in a hallway. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, I was going to say something else, but I better not. <laughs> <laughs> I need your blue chews there. <laughs> no. Dude. Oh, yeah. We so got to do that. People were telling me that. Oh, uh, yeah, we will. We have three. Actually, I only have two more episodes where they're the sponsor, but they may end up doing another one. So, they, for people who haven't listened to the podcast, go, I think it was whatever episode number Bridges was 40. And I, I, 40. And I'm totally honest with like the sponsorships of the podcast. Like I, I turn down substantially more than I'll actually do. And my litmus test is I have to have used the product and like it. But when you're hit up 
from a company that essentially makes dick pills, that's a once in a lifetime opportunity. So <laughs> I jumped on it. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, I just like, hey, I've never used this, but I have now gone through the online. Um, it took five minutes to go through it, and I should be getting a discreet package here shortly. <laughs> so I can't. <laughs> How, when you told me about that, this has been this has been this has been coming for a month here. About uh, oh yeah, and we were actually going to do the first one when up in British Columbia, we were going to yep. do the first cleared hard podcast. Uh, and it sucks. It sucks that we didn't get to do that because I mean I don't think there would have been any better testament to their podcast than for you to pass out some oh, yeah. blue cheese to a bunch of bunch of guys around a campfire. I thought it would have been cool to like throw a few of those in Preston's. Uh, we could have put it in his blueberry uh, kill cliff. He probably wouldn't even have known it was in there. Just get them all ramped, ramped, ramped yeah. up in his sleeping bag. <laughs> I don't know if that's good. I I just don't know if you should do that. I mean, another buddy of mine was like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna go online and get a subscription and take some, and then go pick my kids up at school in sweatpants." Like, what? dude, you're gonna go to <laughs> like, you're gonna go to jail. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, that is not. Do not do that. Anyone listening, do not do that. I'll tell you what else yeah. you don't want to do, which I've done, and this, it's, it's equally as bad, but mine was at least innocent. Was um, when Harry turned thirteen, I asked him what he wanted to do for his birthday, and he said he really wanted to take all of his friends rock climbing. So, uh, and you know, kind of indoor rock climbing, not official John Barklow rock climbing, um, not like yeah. mountaineering stuff. But uh, so anyway. We get a bunch of his friends, and I rent an hour or two at this local indoor rock climbing place. Not even thinking at all. I'm just totally cash taking some 13-year-olds to the kids' rock climbing thing. And I actually went in, like, a pair of military-style gray sweatpants. And when they freaking... Mm, not the call. When they harnessed me up, <laughs> I remember Harry looked over, and he's like, dad that looks really bad because <laughs> i had that thing that's like a victoria's secret push-up bra for a guy one of those rock climbing harnesses because yeah. that gets all your junk just i mean it's like ballerina perfect just yeah. just packed you're a macy's in. window yeah you're on the the main street of macy's in the window display <laughs> i know sharon just looked at me like oh no but yeah i just I, I just embraced it went with it yeah so well anyway you had this uh your new your new official sponsor for a few episodes blue cheese which i was actually did you tell yep. did you tell bridges that you were gonna that that was I your sponsor. <laughs> That's even better. <laughs> I intentionally, I intentionally left it out, uh, but I know him well enough. So he texted me later that day, just dying laughing. He's like, "Dude, Bluetooth, that's awesome." <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. I mean, seriously, how it, how can you pass it up? I mean, there's very few things that you know that you can present to me and I'm going to look at it like a once in a lifetime opportunity. And that's one of them. Cause I'm sure they're not going to like the ad reads that I do. Cause I'm totally making them my own. Like the one that releases tomorrow, it's not appropriate in any way, shape or form. 
but it hits the the key points that they sent me. So we'll see where it goes. <laughs> they may love it. <laughs> they may love it. I don't know. Good for you. I'm glad you're getting sponsors. I don't have any sponsors in my podcast. I think um, I think like some toilet paper company called maybe that that was but then they never returned my call after i called back they must have called me with the wrong number when they said we want to <laughs> we want to support your podcast and then i was like really and then they're like oh no sorry made a mistake we actually were trying to call andy <laughs> i don't know where they're coming from uh to be honest i mean the pod you know as well as i do that the podcast is such an interesting media because you you know you sit down and you either record one yourself or you record one with uh, a buddy or somebody you think that's interesting and you just hit update or uh, upload, and who knows where it goes and who's listening to it and how it kind of spreads. And I think they just hit me up through the podcast website itself. But, I mean, I never had any desire to pursue that. And I still, I mean, I'm only interested in doing it, like I said, if it's something, if it's a company that I really like, like On It was a brand that reached out. And I know you and I both use their their stuff because it's awesome it's high quality mm-hmm. and yep. love it senor and sen- yes yeah, senor rogan is involved with that so anything i can do to support good people and good brands i'm all about it but yeah, who knows man i have no idea where it's coming from i have no idea where it's going but right now it's it's for this month it's dick bill month <laughs> all right well let's change gears <laughs> we're we're <laughs> Yeah, we're 30 minutes into a podcast practically, and we still haven't even talked about archery, so we at least need to do that for a few minutes. So what, um, you just got your bow back, and this was actually pretty, for those of you listening to the podcast who who have notifications turned on for Instagram for Knock on TV, um, you probably got a notification last weekend when I went live to do some maintenance on Andy's bow and it was a live feed that I did I haven't it was kind of so non-official because I didn't have anyone here to help even hold the camera or film so it was mainly like um, this little chest cam thing that I got so it was just more or less me showing you with my hands but what happened was uh, you got back from Hawaii right is that when you noticed uh I really started noticing the deviation in the groups. Like, I think it was about a week before we were supposed to go up to BC because you were going to bring your serving kit to BC and do it in the field. Yep, yep. That is you right. were in Hawaii. That's what it was. Right before you went to Hawaii is when I noticed it. Okay. And so tell people what happened so we can help people out with so this. Yeah, so sitting in the backyard, uh, which I do every day because it's awesome to be able to shoot in your backyard. And um, I just got my silverback back as well because that, I mean, Hawaii, you want to talk about an environment that will destroy anything that has moving pieces. I can't, the fine red moon dust uh, got into my silverback and I almost got to the point where I couldn't, I couldn't get it to fire. It just didn't want to release. So you helped me out. We sent it back to Carter. Guy dialed it in. First time I drew back with it and let off the safety and immediately fired. I was like, perfect. We're right back where we need to be. So I got it redialed in. And that day I was shooting it, I started noticing that my shots were, the left-right was good, but I was getting, I think they were coming in high by about two to three inches and just arrow after arrow after arrow coming in. What was it, high or low? You were low. You were low. Low. The opposite. I was standing on my head when I shoot, so that's why it looked high. (laughs) But uh, it just, and 
most of the time, if not every time, anytime I have a group that's not awesome, I know what it is, which it's me doing something I shouldn't be. And I'll, you know, realize, oh, my elbow's dropping or I'm pulling to the side or I'm holding on with my left hand too hard. But this one, I was just sitting in the backyard really focusing on getting reacquainted with the silverback and just pulling through the shot. And the arrows were all landing in a great group, but just low. So I FaceTimed you and you're, you know, walking me through all this stuff on the bow. And as soon as I put it on my D-loop, you're like, oh, well, there's your problem right there. And the serving, I mean, you'll have to correct me with the exact thing that happened. But it basically, does it come unwound and then it starts sliding? Mm, no, really what happens with a lot of factory servings, and a big part of the big part of the reason I missed that was um, you, we were traveling a lot when your bow came in. And then I remember yeah. getting that thing ready pretty last minute for something. We went on another trip. Was it for Oklahoma that I built that for you? And typically, yeah, I think that's right. And then typically, one of the first things I always do with any factory string is replace the center serving, uh, simply because it's really common that center servings start to slide. And normally, because of the pressures of the you know of you pulling on the string and the pressures at full draw, typically they'll. St- they'll actually start the serving will start to slide up and that's what happened i could see a small little gap um, underneath your d loop where literally your entire knock and loop set had slid up and created a small space of serving underneath Um, so i had to cut it all off and reserve the center serving and then go back to getting your knock and d loop set um and then the other thing that happened too which is common especially when you travel to a lot warmer climates um, this is something that people should keep in mind um, especially when you're getting your brand new bow in the winter time and it's not getting into the especially the warmer elements um, and with you being in Montana, yours hadn't experienced any warmer elements. So uh, when I got it back, your your cam synchronization was slightly off too. So I ended up having to um, actually add some twists back into the cables to kind of get your cam uh, orientation and synchronization back to the proper spot. And when I did that, you actually gained a, a few pounds back um, of your pulling weight, peak pulling weight. And then obviously I retied your center serving knocks and D loop and kind of got everything uh, back on track. So that's a pretty, that's a pretty common maintenance issue. And especially when you're shooting a lot and especially when you're shooting in hotter weather where that wax starts to come out of the string um, or if things just start to heat up, uh, that starts to happen. And I do it a lot with a lot of people, and actually, I think, if I remember right, when I was in camp, I think I remember looking at Barklow's setup, and he had told me the same thing. You know, I started hitting a little bit low, blah, 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 and then I remember looking and saying, okay, dude, you know, we're not going to do it here, because obviously, you know, it's not like his bow was not grouping at all, and it was becoming erratic. It was the entire group just moved down a little bit, so I ended up showing him, okay, I see that serving separation there and he said yeah and he's like you know what's that from and i said well it could be from a couple things one it could just be from if it the serving wasn't put on in a in a high enough quality fashion which is very common now it's part of the reasons 
why I'm just not happy with most of the strings out there. Um, and then the other thing too is if you remove your loop off your off your serving and then tie a new one on, a lot of times there's some spacing underneath there too, depending on how tightly you cinched your previous D loop onto the center serving, you kind of squirt that center serving material out one direction or the other. And then when you cut off your D loop and put the new one on, essentially when you cinch that one down, you can almost move it up or down a little bit. So um, it's something worth paying attention to. A lot of people who start to, you know, quote unquote, lose yardage um, a lot of times it has to do with serving slip or knock set slip more than anything. And that's why I'm also a very big advocate of tying in your loop sets and not just putting a, uh, or tying in your knock sets rather, and then putting on your D loop because people that don't have tied knock sets and they only use their D loop as the knock, uh, as those things turn or if you start to spin it so that your people come back straight you're you're moving your knocking point so your groups move around so you just you know that's a it's a very very important troubleshooting um thing to write down is just recognizing knock loop sets and center serving slip or knock slip so um pay attention to it it'll save you points or maybe an animal as well i think there was something else i was doing as well that contributed to what happened and i i picked it up when you were teaching trevor how to shoot in wherever the hell we were when we were hunting turkey but i you were telling trevor you know hold the bow vertically and slide the arrow through and knock it in the vertical configuration as opposed to what a lot of people do where they just kind of let the bow maybe they rest it against their hip and they let it lay down so it's like a 45 they put the arrow in and then they allow it to fold over. I actually, thinking back, was doing a lot more of that than loading it in the vertical configuration, and I think it was probably torquing on that point as well. Yeah, that's something good, too. Um, and so many of these things, I'm glad you brought that up. So many of the things that I teach or little mistakes people make that I could share to help people, I forget about because... I don't know. For me, it's just stuff that I take for granted and I don't really think about it until I'm helping someone else out. That's why a lot of times my kind of my either my live feeds are good because I'm able to act in real time or a lot of times my articles are based on just coming off coaching clinics where I'm working with people and I have fresh things in my mind that are costing people points. But, um, what Andy's referring to is I really like to teach people to try to always keep their bow and your methods of loading your arrow and approaching the target and drawing back. Everything has to happen with that bow in a vertical format. A lot of people get in the habit of taking their bow and kind of pushing it out in front of them to where they're almost laying that bow down and then they take their arrow knock and they clip their arrow down onto the string and then they turn their arrow in towards the center of the riser and then they pick the bow up vertically and go through their drawing technique. Um, the problem that if your serving is tight, it actually can cause accuracy problems when you're 
clicking your arrow on your string and then almost swinging your arrow 90 degrees to be down the center of the riser. So I really teach people to work down the center line always with all of your flow, whether it's raising your bow up or even loading the arrow onto the string itself. So you really want to get in the habit of having your bow facing the target. You want to be able to take your hand that you load your arrow with and go up over the top of the bow and bring your arrow straight back to the center serving almost in a reverse fashion of the way it would leave the bow and clip it on the string and then take your finger and put it in the center of the arrow rest um, because that way you're not constantly spinning that arrow 90 degrees um, onto you know on your center serving or your D loop and it's especially a problem again if you have a center serving that's a little bit larger than the throat of your knock because you'll start to develop a flat spot on that center serving and if you click your arrow in and then move it 90 degrees you actually start to then move your peep sight with the you know as an arrow is moving 90 degrees this peep sight will slightly move and then people end up reaching up and turning their peep sight with their finger um, or they end up having to as it's clipped on the string their loop is pointing a different direction so then they kind of take their finger and they turn their loop so that it's facing straight back which ends up either loosening serving or loosening your loop so there's several problems that can arise from that so just keep everything literally working in a perfectly direct line to the target your bow should be shot it should go down straight down from the target so that as you pull an arrow out you can put your arrow in front of the bow pull it back onto the string clip it on and then you can raise your bow straight up again and then arm comes straight back it's just a lot more fluid um, and just a lot more efficient i guess as well and it'll help you in a hunting environment i mean the axis deer that now we both or i have now had the opportunity to hunt i know you have previously but just that extra movement from having a bow laid over at like a 45 degree angle as you load it and bring it up like you're done yeah i mean you need to have your full ninja skills on moving a millimeter at a time any excess movement and you're just going to be completely screwed yeah that's one thing when i was um when i was stalking with joe because my last my last three days in Lanai, um, let's see, I think it was my last three, um, I pretty much put my bow away and I hunted um, one day with Cam, one day, and then a couple, maybe two or three days with Joe. I could have maybe stopped four days early. Um, and when I was with Joe multiple times, you know, as we're going, just as we're stalking he kind of had his bow laid to the side just to kind of be under a little bit more under the brush and under the profile and i told him i said i know it's easier to to crawl and move with your bow laid sideways kind of like a crossbow i said but you don't know when something's going to stand up you know there could be all of a sudden you know when you're in that tall grass a deer could just stand up or you know, as I was behind him, I was ranging and saying, like, he's 86, we're 72, he's 65. Um, and I said, you have to have your bow straight up and down because 
if there's also an opportunity for you to draw back, if you have to tilt your bow vertical, that movement in itself is going to be enough for that thing to just peg you. And then, and once it pegs you, now you have to come to full draw and it's not going to happen. Whereas if your bow's vertical, if all of a sudden that animal picks its head up, like it knows something's there, you can actually, the, the one motion you would have would be pulling your bow straight back and at least then you're at full draw and you might you might have that one or two seconds to be able to to make a shot happen so yeah it's it's really important from that aspect as well yeah that animal i don't like that animal it's my most delicious treat <laughs> ever but goddamn. <laughs> i've never crawled so far for so little in so many days consecutively my knees right now um well about three days ago i was pulling the last of the scabs off my knees uh so yeah crawling around on your knees my knuckles were actually good this year because um i had these newer ua gloves that have padding on all four of the knuckles so i just did a lot of you know i do a lot of knuckle crawling um so yeah, my knees are just now getting all their skin back and they're debating whether or not they're going to try to sprout a few hairs again, but I knee pads, knee pads, homie, 2018. I had knee pads for several days, but even, <laughs> even with knee pads, when you're, you know, you're, when you're crawling miles on your knees, it's still, it's still chafing, still abrasion. Um, you know, if they're not super, super tight on there, you still kind of have that rubbing back and forth. Uh, I had, uh, in a, in a recent podcast, somebody, I was answering questions about what the Andy Stump curriculum would look like at a hunting camp. <laughs> and I actually just said, people, people should just email you as to whether or not we're actually going to do this. Cause don't contact me, just contact you. But I believe a certain portion of the curriculum, it's going to be basically a one mile crawl for time. <laughs> yeah yeah there's a lot of yeah i would imagine if we actually did that made like a made like a a hunting a legitimate bow hunter certification exam course to where you had to do certain physical type things in order to get qualified that would be an interesting certification indeed it would be i would be in a, a tree stand with a paintball gun with paintballs that had been in the freezer for 72 hours shooting people that were uh, not crawling low enough <laughs> i like that um <laughs> let's see another certification would be you have to be able to uh make coffee about 8 30 in the morning when things slow down you'd have to be able to make coffee uh within a few minutes on the fly well part of part of the course would be of course you know you need to talk about the type of backpack you would want to use. And then once you've selected a backpack, you need to talk about what's inside of it. And if there's no mechanism to make coffee inside of it, it's an immediate sale. Yeah. You're done. Yeah. Get, yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. Cause you and yeah. I, you and I, well, this whole, this whole, um, black rifle coffee collaboration that I did, I've got you to thank for that because I actually hadn't ever had any, black rifle coffee until me and you were freaking deep, in Alberta. deep, deep into that freaking <laughs> elk hunt. And yeah, I was just like, man, I need, I wouldn't mind having a little break right now. And I think I said something to you like, 
how good would a cut fresh cup of coffee be right now? And you're like, uh, I got a French press in my backpack, bro. I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) You freaking broke out that jet boil on your little hand grinder. And we just ripped up some, some black rifle in that Creek bed and drank some Java. And as you told the story of how the uh, wolves almost ate you, because I think we were really <laughs> close to where you had that encounter. Oh yeah, we were very close. Yeah, we were we were really close, and yeah, that was one of those moments. Every now and then in life, you have a moment where you think to yourself, "Why have I never done this?" <laughs> For me, a lot of those moments come at bear camp or at a camp or a hunting camp when you're in the middle of something that sucks and someone gives you this like idea that you're just makes you go like, what the hell? Why haven't I ever done this? Another one of those experiences were, I remember I was at bear camp up in BC and the first time someone taught me about wiping your butt with baby wipes. Mm, I was strong move. Dude. I'm like, I seen him. It was actually a uh, a former pitcher for the Blue Jays. And we're up in bear camp, and we didn't have running water back then. It was it was like true, true rough camp. And I remember he he comes out of the bath, the, uh, the little outhouse thing, slash uh, four pieces of plywood with a hole cut in the top that were stacked on top of a a hole that was dug out. Uh, <laughs> and he freaking has some baby wipes sitting right there on the side. When he's all done, he like does it up. I'm like, are those baby wipes? And he's like, uh, yeah. I'm like, dude, what a pussy. And he's like, have you never wiped your butt with one? I'm like, not since I was a baby. And he goes, all right. And I go, why? What's it like? And he goes, uh he's like you ever get that duck butter going that just gets worse every day and i go yeah every day and he goes yeah you won't ever have that again he said it'll he said it feels like feels like the freshest thing you've ever had i'm like what so that next day i freaking grabbed those things went out hit those hit that duck butter with those baby wipes and i was like oh my gosh why have I never done this before? And yeah, that was a game changer. So now I've got a jet boil and a French press and I got my hand grinder. So whenever I'm on my hunts and I want some Joe in the field, I got the, the Andy Stump uh, survival kit, coffee survival kit. You got to have it, man. I used to uh, overseas all I would take with those Starbucks Vias. Yep. And I would consume most of my water uh, just shaking it up with lukewarm. Uh, <laughs> the water was lukewarm because of the temperature where <laughs> yeah. we were at. But I was going yeah, to say, you didn't have to warm paper. it up. <laughs> no, just put it in the sun. But then you better have, if, if I learned any lesson in life that was important from the military, the number one lesson is never go into the field without a way to wipe your ass. And you know that because uh, if you go into the field with a bunch of vias and lukewarm water, and you're not prepared, you do come out with either no sleeves on your shirt or one shoe that has no sock in it. And that's just not a good time. <laughs> I've done that many a time. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Or my dad. My dad's even yeah. worse. Did I ever tell you my dad's story? Oh, God. Uh, I'm ready to hear it. So we're out uh, at a golf course playing golf. And well, at least we talked about archery for three minutes. Now we're now we're on to we're from <laughs> went from boners to taking dumps. Uh, so <laughs> it'll swing back. People know back now there. why we hang out. Like this is this is <laughs> Andy and I's stomach. It's normally the only time I have definition in my in my abs or after trips where we get to laugh a lot. <laughs> so much easier than crunches. But uh, we're oh we're at a golf course. And we're out there playing, and all of a sudden my dad's like, oh, man. He's like, head over to that bathroom. And I'm like, what? He goes, get over to that bathroom. So I'm in my golf cart, freaking floored over there. He jumps out and runs in there. And uh, he come. I don't even think he said something. He just, I think he said something like, man, these bathrooms are rough out here. And I just said, well, I mean, it's a munip- municipal course. It's not like country club man i mean said said something like what do you expect for 12 bucks around or whatever and uh anyway that night we're at the house and he ends up saying uh should we get in the hot tub and i said yeah let's get in so he freaking pulls his pants off and we're just gonna jump in in our undies you know it's in the backyard and he literally has in the front, it looked like a normal pair of underwear, but then in the back, it it looked like a it looked like a jock strap. It looked like a jock strap. It was a pair of fruit of the loons, and it looked like a beaver had freaking cut out the entire ass, except for the little elastic parts that go around the back of the leg. And I go, dude, I'm like, what happened to your underwear? And he goes, he goes, they didn't have any paper in that in that outhouse man and i go what he goes yeah they didn't have any paper in that outhouse i'm like so what'd you do he goes i just bent down and cut some out with my pocket knife he always carries a case pocket knife so you could so then i noticed i could see where he was like slicing like three inches at a time with this like three inch case knife and he literally like as he was sitting on the toilet like sawed out a piece of his underwear (laughs) to wipe his ass with Oh, man. Yeah. I'll tell yeah, you. I've had some good issues. I'll Just t- imagine a wetsuit and having to go to the bathroom. <laughs> there, there's a visual for you. Well, I have I have two things to say about that. One, uh, my, <laughs> my, sister, my sister does not like me. Uh, she never really has. And my mom says it all started. Uh, we're nine years apart. My mom, I guess my sister always wanted to have a big birthday party. And so finally, uh, when she was 10, my, they decided to give her a big birthday party at Baskin Robbins. So I'm one or not even quite one. Uh, and I was in a onesie and my mom said like, right when all the kids got the ice cream, I just made this look on my face like. (laughs) <laughs> like I was doing a deadlift with way too much weight. And uh, <laughs> she said just this baby shit color, covered, colored lava just started coming out of my arm cuffs and my neck. 
So, <laughs> and she said it just completely ruined this party <laughs> forever. So that's what I'm picturing with your wetsuit, uh, your wetsuit issue. I it mean, wasn't actually me. It was a friend of mine, <laughs> and uh, he needed us to help him peel out of it. And I was just dry heaving the entire time, <laughs> all over his back. <laughs> oh god <laughs> uh, people are gonna love this podcast we're off the reservation yeah this actually i might need to give this one to you maybe we should just make this a cleared hot podcast <laughs> the other well, let's switch back to archery well let's switch back to archery I what gotta, do we got what let, do we got next let me do one more shit story uh okay good this is actually this is educational and it can be used on a hunt or at an archery tournament so fast forward um so I learned about the baby wipes in May. Fast forward to June, I'm actually traveling to Poland uh, with a U.S. teammate of mine for a tournament, for a uh, Grand Prix. And I kind of thought that I was the smartest guy going with this whole baby wipe thing. So on my way to the airport, because I started thinking, you know how many times I wish on a course I had these, a little, like, travel thing of baby wipes with me, you know? So, anyway, I had this idea to get some quick, and I kind of had it last minute while I was in the Walmart uh, line trying to uh, get a few things before I traveled. Because normally I do take, like, some vias so that I can make my own coffee, and then I also um, take certain foods that i can eat in case the the food offerings at these weird places wouldn't agree with my stomach so i was picking up a few of those necessities before my trip and while i was in line of course here's all the you know the spontaneous decision buys which happen to include wet ones you know the little travel packs of wet ones for bucks so i was like oh that's it i need these for in my to have in my uh you know, either in my quiver or in my backpack. So I bought some. Well, we get on the plane, we're flying, we end up landing in one of your favorite airports, Paris. Um, Oh yeah, Charles de Gaulle. (laughs) So, and you've probably, you've been in the little lavatory, the little (sighs) bathrooms in there with all the, it literally looks like small little walls about the size of your shoulders um, made out of like, 16th inch plywood is pretty much what the the men's stalls are like in that bathroom. Uh, But anyway, me and my teammate jump off the plane and we're frick. I'm like, I got to go, man. He's because normally you're landing there in the morning. He goes, I do too. He goes, I got to shit bad. So we're both running. We both go in there and luckily there were two stalls. So we're sitting down and he's just like, oh, I could hear him over there. It wasn't good. And he's just like, oh, crap. He goes, dude, he goes, look at these little freaking pieces of paper. Like, they're the squares, the little squares that you have to pull out one at a time for the toilet paper. Yep. And he's like, I freaking hate these things. And I said, yeah. And he's just like, he goes, these things just tear my butt up. And I said, I know. It's like sand, <laughs> sandpaper, right? And he goes, he's like, yeah, man. He goes, I'm freaking bleeding over here. And I said, and I go, and I kind of thought to myself, you got the wet ones. So I go, Hey, dude, I'm like, have you ever heard of wet ones? And he goes, what? I'm like, you ever wiped with baby wipes? And he's like, not since I was a baby. And I, you know, kind of had the same smart-ass comment as I did. 
So I go, well, let me tell you, you're never going to be the same after trying these baby wipes. I'm like, I don't know why it's not mandatory. So I'm giving him this whole sales pitch. And he's like, well, let me have them, dude. And I was like teasing him with them. Like, I don't know if I want to give you one. And so anyway, I take these brand new wet ones out of my bag. And I said, fine, I'll let you use them. So I hand them underneath the thing to him. And I hear him unwrapping them. And then I hear him like wiping. He goes, oh, yeah, that is nice. And then he's just like, ow. And then he goes, ow, 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 ow. He's like, I'm like, what are you doing over there? He goes, it burns. It's burning. And I'm like, what? And he's like, this sucks. He's all pissed. And I, he just, they just come throwing back under the stall over to me. He's like, and he's like swearing. And then I started looking and I realized it said 99.9% alcohol or whatever. And I realized. Alcohol. alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't buy the right ones. <laughs> and if, oh, you're, if your butthole's bloody, you don't want to use the pack of red. You definitely want the white ones or the blue ones. Just in general, I think you, you do. Yeah. yeah. You don't ever want the alcohol wipes. Yeah. Get the blue ones and things will be way better. Okay. So back on track. Oh. My eyes are watered after that one. <laughs> Imagine him. It, yeah. The varsity play in the SEAL teams would be you go buy a couple packs of the alcohol ones and you sneak into somebody's rucksack and you replace their normal ones with the alcohol ones and say nothing. <laughs> That's going to happen now that you've said. <laughs> yeah. like, it, it, it should happen. It may not have happened when you're in the teams, but it's going to happen after this podcast. <laughs> it should. I mean, that's, and then just sit there and try not to uh, make any noise when you're hysterically laughing. Yep, yep. Well, one thing... All right, archery. Yeah, one thing I'm excited about is uh, I'm excited about some of your new buddies that we're going to be getting rocking on archery because obviously Trevor was one, and yep. I, don't, I don't know. The problem is these guys that have these types of training regimens and discipline... They're going to start making me look bad. They're going to make me look good in the fact that they're going to be awesome, but then I'm going to start going to camp and being the the worst guy there shooting because these guys, uh, including the yourself. The odds of that happening are zero. The no, odds of that happening are zero. Come on. You're being humble. You're, I mean, you're giving me a run for my money already. I mean, you guys, you guys have such discipline, and you like the, just the systematic approach that I have. You make it, you make it work good so fast. Uh, so who's next well, up on the list? It, it's like, well, it's like ninety percent overlay. There's so many similarities, and uh, like when we sat down and did the podcast at the uh, Camp Thunder Chicken, <laughs> we you know we were talking about you know the similarities between vernacular and terminology when it comes to teaching rifle and pistol shooting and the bow stuff. Like, if you can find that common terminology, it, it clicks so fast for the guys because there is so much overlay. But I would say, uh, so Brian Shantosh, I know I linked you guys up. He's an amazing dude. He's in for sure. He would definitely want to hunt. Uh, and Bridges, actually, was asking me about it as well. So there's another dude. Done. Um, we need to. Who um, else? You know what we Jocko, need to do? But that's going to be it. Jocko's going to be a calendar issue. That's his only limitation is time. Yeah, every single time, because his bow is sitting right here behind me. 
But every time yeah. we, uh, yeah, between me you and him, we're on galactic time differences. So yeah, yeah. we almost need to do something. Uh, man, we need to do something where me and you need to just host those guys on a fun hunt. Like maybe we need to, I need to book something cool somewhere where we just go and and we're able to shoot some stuff in morning and night, but then just do some like training during the day and just really work on a lot of those those systematic basics, and then just get everybody on the right right path. That would be that would be fun. I, I just enjoy that so think, much more. Yeah, I think the hogs would probably be the best start for all of those guys. Mm. Especially, I don't think Bridges has ever hunted with his bow. He has a recurve. Um, but I know he got hooked up with, uh, Evan from Hoyt. Yep. So they're talking. So he might be, he might be upgrading to 2018 technology. <laughs> Sean Tosh has a bow. Jocko has a bow, but I think just, and again, I've only hunted hogs with you that one time, but you want to talk about perfect morning and evening and they're there. And if you, you know, you're going to eventually stumble across them probably, and you're going to get the chance to stalk and you're probably going to get a shot if not two. And then in the daytime is all that window, but I think, and I know you and I have talked about it peripherally in a little bit, but I think in the next few weeks, we might be having something come out that could be the perfect umbrella for that to kind of like unify that group of people and, and go do those types of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's, I feel comfortable saying that. I don't want to let the cat out of the bag. I actually need to apologize to a lot of my listeners out here because there's so many things that I get upset about like like there's things that come up that i want to tell everyone about and then i don't for the longest time and then all of a sudden i do mention it and then all of a sudden there's this a situation that comes up that i have no control on where things end up getting delayed or they change and then i end up just feeling like i'm the one that lied to everybody it actually happened like even with the coffee like the whole knocked and loaded coffee thing I mean, that first started back in September, and I think I made a hint about it on the podcast maybe back last fall, and then because I, I thought it was going to happen pretty quick, but just one thing leads to another, people get busy, every business has things that they're doing, and next thing you know, it's like people just end up thinking that I just lied to them about it, but then finally it comes to light, and then now even on this my dang Traeger school thing, um, it's just impossible trying to get everything nailed down. And the part of the reason is, is because when there's multiple people trying to do it, um, it's hard to get everybody's schedule the same and then building, obviously just building an itinerary and trying to coordinate everything that goes on. So it's almost to the point now where I've, I've had to just tell these guys, Either we're going to make something happen and agree to it, or no one's going to have the amount of time to get there. Like, you know, we can't, you know, it's not like, and that gets tough because people like me or you, we know that our schedules, we know something might be on the schedule and we may not know what that actually is until like three days before. And then it's like, okay, hey, you got to come here. And then we at least know to do that. But most people who are having to plan with vacation and buy tickets ahead of time and aren't submitting you know submitting it into their expenses i mean that's whole different situation it gets tough well even with even with the um even with the arrows i mean 
I don't know, the damn label manufacturer for some reason didn't have my the green paint I finished on. So now I'm like having to wait an extra few weeks for the right labels to come in for my arrows. And I'm like, dang it, guys. Yeah, it's, you know, and the, I and they said, well, we do have this amount. And I'm like, well, there's no point in me putting them on for that amount because then they're going to be sold out in like one minute and then everyone's going to be mad and then it's even more work for us because then we're answering when we're getting the next ones in. So I don't know. It's going to happen. All the stuff is going to happen. It's just, I apologize to people out there for when things don't happen on the, the pace that I really want them to. Cause I feel like, I feel like I'm letting people down. But, uh, one thing I will talk about, we might as well, we might as well talk about this now, Andy. Um, because you're going to be involved with it as will Trevor. Um, So the details are not ironed out, and I'm just going to say this is 80% likely to happen. I want to say 99, but I'm going to say 80. I'll be a weather weather forecast guy. I don't know what they're called. (laughs) Is he a meteorologist? What are they called? Uh, Something, I don't know. So anyway, uh, at the end of July, I've just uh finished agreeing to come to California to Bob Fromm's shop to actually do a customer appreciation and parking lot hangout and Traeger cook um along with um a a kind of a seminar slash shop class uh and it's going to be it looks like 80% likely. It's well, the dates set as of right now unless something major happens are July 28th. Um and then on the 29th I'm actually going to be doing a private class for a limited number of people. Um those those issues and who that is is to be determined by Bob. But um you've been to that shop, Andy. Um, That's where it all started for me. That's that- where I got my carbon defiant Yep, and that's a big reason actually why, well, there's two reasons why I'm going. One, you started there. Two, we sent Trevor there. Uh, Three, Bob Fromm's always been someone that I've had a tremendous amount of respect for in our industry. Um, He's an awesome dude, very accomplished as a bow hunter, um, more accomplished than I am, and uh, just a, a guy that I really respect. And then, although I haven't been to his shop, um, where is the shops located? Do you know, Andy? It is by the Miramar, uh, Marine Corps air station. Oh, it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then what, what, uh, where, what town is it officially? San Diego. Oh, it is. So it's not like a suburb. Yeah. It's, it's that one. Okay. Uh, yeah, I would, I mean, yeah, the only airport you can get there is, uh, is by flying in San Diego International. It's maybe 20 minutes north of that. Okay. And it's actually called Performance Archery. Um, Correct. So we might as well let that cat out of the bag. Uh, Andy and I and Trevor are going to be doing some other activities for Kill Cliff um, in addition uh, to that weekend. But anyway, I'm going to give two days of that weekend. We're going to make that a big deal. Um, definitely going to be bringing some stuff to give away and things like that. Oh, and 
I haven't even told you this, Andy. While I'm announcing things that are going to be happening, um, the other thing is uh, I'm actually going to be auctioning off another bow. So if those of you out, and I'm actually thinking of auctioning off, well, I'll give people the option of either I'll build you yours or I'm going to auction off the bow that I took with me to Lanai. It'll be my RX-1. Uh, the exact bow that I took with me to Lanai. I'm going to be doing an auction for that. Um, or I'll give you the option for me to build one custom for you. I'm not, I'll announce when this auction will start and when it'll stop. Um, but the proceeds to this are actually going to be going, um, I haven't told you this, Andy. So the proceeds of this are going to be going to um, a mutual friend of me and Andy's whose son, um, I'm I'm probably going to get this wrong. Uh, I didn't really know much about it, but it's our friend Jack Carr. Uh, Mm -hmm. So his son has special needs. And it's pretty much something that um, has a very extreme cost to it. Um, His son's going to live a full life. But, um, you know, I guess with, with limitations, it won't be a full, in the, yeah, it won't be a full independent life. From my understanding, it's similar to, uh, Sean Hughes, uh, the guy I did in episode three of my podcast, it's uh, severe autism, which limits their ability to live independently. Yep. Yep. So, um, each year they kind of have a fundraiser for that, which I was asked if, um, you know, if I could help in any way. And I kind of said, well, I'd like to do more than just that. So, um, I'm going to give all the proceeds to this, to, um, to this, this cause. Um, I don't have all the details to it. So when I do, uh, just obviously keep an eye out. Um, I'll make a more formal announcement at that time. But if you're someone out there who, um, wants to give to an amazing cause uh the whatever the final price is will not come to me at all it will go straight to the cause or um i don't know how it's set up but that's where it'll go to so if you're a listener uh be on the lookout for that because um i'm just honestly i'm just to the point now where i'm feeling so good about giving back uh, that I'm just, I'm in the, I'm in the zone. I'm in the zone. I'm just keep, I like it. I'm keep, I'm going to keep, I'm going to add, I'm going to, I'm going to add to that with the bow comes, uh, a tandem skydive. If you want it, Ooh. I'll get out of the plane. Ooh. <laughs> you might've just dropped the value severely. Some people are crapping themselves, Possible. but you could give it to someone. Clothing optional. Yeah. Clothing's optional. Blue shoes, mandatory. And if you want to, we can go European style, which is facing each other. It's controversial, but it can be done. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, that's going to be great. Okay, now that we've got that out, uh, what? So, what do we need to talk about now, archery wise? What's What's next on our list? Like, you and I haven't got to it talk. Might be Sol- yeah, it might be Salt Lake City, the uh, archery challenge yep. in June, right? So that's slightly before. It's July. I don't know if we have anything. Is it July? I don't know. I have a calendar somewhere I should probably look at. Well, I haven't talked to you yet, but uh, I actually wanted to uh I want to go I wanted to see if you wanted to come 
maybe down to Oklahoma for for a few days to to check cameras, fill feeders, and bust some hogs and kill rattlesnakes down in Oklahoma. I mean, that's rhetorical. That's a rhetorical question. Yeah, maybe we should do that. We could bring your buddies in. We could do a couple half mile uh, rattlesnake crawls. <laughs> kind of perfect. Get them a good case of the chiggers. Yeah. People yeah. Get... Yeah, but I think on the books right now, all we have is yeah, early July is the archery challenge. Late July is the event in San Diego, and I don't think we have anything between now and then. Then we've got uh, yeah. Then we've got uh, Alberta. And then yeah, then uh, it ramps up for some for some big boys. Then there's some screaming bulls that we're going to be whacking. Yep. And then it'll trans- Montana. Yep. Then it'll transition into well, who knows? Some French Alps sprinkled in there. We uh, we oui, oui. pro- <laughs> probably some. We <laughs> as much we got to take Hunter back. I mean. I, I, he won't come, regardless of what we pay him. He'll quit. He will not go there with us again. I don't. I kind of wondered if it's. I want to invite him just because I wonder if it's one of those things where you forgot about it long enough to realize to like convince yourself that it really wasn't that bad. Do you think it's been long enough, or you think he's still having nightmares? <laughs> like, do you think he's still waking up in the middle of the night? Like, ah, ah, cheese, fromage. I mean, I think given how young he is, it's probably one of the major life experiences that he's had. I think it's like it happened yesterday for that kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, uh, that, is, that is so funny. I was actually, uh, the other day, I started laughing out loud for no reason. And Sharon said, "What?" she said, what are you, um, what are you laughing at? And I said, I just remembered something very specific that, uh, that Hunter said on the trip, and God, I wish I remembered what it was. It was something that he said uh, that was just so funny. And it, you know, most of the things that he said were funny were not because they were actually funny. It was because of how serious he was. Like when rational thoughts are actually coming in his mind, and just the way that he would say them to us would just get <laughs> us laughing so hard. Oh, but it was something like that. Um, one thing I yeah, wa- it, was, it was a journey. One one more thing I do want to touch on though is, uh, you know, you talked about going back to your silverback, um, and that's one thing that I posted the other day, and I actually just spent. I don't know what the deal is with my yard, man. When this guy built this house before me, he was a. I guess he was a rep. He he was a rep for like a for home building. So I think from what I hear, he had connections to every single type of like home building supply. Like all the doors in the house are you know as high quality as you can get, and the trim. And then the siding was from this company that wanted his business the most, and blah blah blah. The list goes on and on. Well, anyway, our yard has like five inches of black dirt on it and the whole thing was sodded which i kind of liked how nice our yard always looks but i swear dude i have to hire a full-time freaking golf course groundskeeper to mow this bastard i've spent last year i think i spent like sixteen hundred dollars in lawnmower gas it is crazy you have to dude 
you have to mow my grass every two days. Every two days, you cut the grass, otherwise you're bailing it. And we were gone for five days. I paid a neighbor to mow the grass. He mowed it on... He mowed it on Thursday, and I got here last night, and I'm like, oh, damn. And so I literally got on the lawnmower this morning at 8 o'clock. I mowed it all twice, and then now I've blown all the grass into rows again, and I'm going to have to freaking bale all this crap up. I swear. It's like a sod factory out here. I need to just buy a sod machine just start cutting sod out of the yard and selling it because it's, it's crazy. I can't keep up, but... The point of me mowing the yard so much is because I want to get all my all my targets put out and it's time for me to to really do what I love most in the summertime and that's uh grill in the backyard and let Sharon and Harry and me just shoot. So every year yep. every year I buy a couple new 3D targets. This year uh I bought that big freaking grizzly bear and uh I got a chamois mainly because we need to and then i got an ibex uh which is which is i think yeah well it's on it's on my it's it's on my uh my bucket list i'll never be able to afford one but i but i'd love to shoot one um but i want to just start shooting in the backyard and this summer i'm just gonna i'm just gonna hammer home the silverback and the two smooth. I'm just gonna I'm gonna focus uh, on tension and hinge, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shoot my trigger in practice at all. I'm just gonna focus on shot execution and pulling through, and all that comes from that video that I posted the other day of just a really turd follow through that I had on the second bear that I shot up in. Yeah, I saw it. Up in BC. And, you know, some people say, well, what's wrong with that? I mean, the the problem that's wrong with it is my hand is coming down and out away from my face, and my bow is also falling down and away from my face. And it comes from the fact that as soon as my brain knew that that, that release had fired, I literally started wanting to watch the arrow because I was – I was kind of on my tiptoes trying to shoot over the top of this big burn pile. And I was really struggling to find this one little gap where I knew my arrow could clear this limb. And the bear, I'd been following this bear for almost 30 to 40 minutes trying to find a shot. And I just could not find the shot. It was just so frustrating. And I'd followed him for probably, I would guess, probably two kilometers easy like and i mean like stalking and hiding and bending down and moving fast and i was barefoot and it was miserable um so i just really wanted to watch that arrow go you know i wanted to see if it would miss that limb and i didn't follow through properly but for me it was like okay you need to just get back you need to get back to shooting good quality shots and in the winter I shot a lot of arrows, and it was all with a hinge. I felt really good on my shots. Uh, but then, like, turkey camp, because you were there and uh, Trevor was there, I didn't shoot hardly at all unless Traeger needed some pictures um, because I was working mainly with him, but also a little bit with you. You and I shot the first day just mm-hmm. to check marks. Uh, and then 
I kind of checked. I set up a brand new bow after Lanai. I went to Lanai, and because I was hunting every day or then with someone else um, while they were hunting, I just didn't shoot much at all there. Uh, just a few arrows to check my marks. And then, you know, all of a sudden I come back. I shot for about two days getting my bow ready for British Columbia because I took a different bow. I took an Ultra. Um, and then... In camp, I would shoot a little bit each day uh, just because the days are so busy there. I just realized I got to get back after it. You know, no matter how many arrows I've shot, I'm only as good as really what I've prepared for in the most recent of times. And if you haven't prepared, then it doesn't, it doesn't matter what you've done for the past 20 years. What matters is what you're doing now. So... I've decided to to dedicate myself to getting back after my my silverback and my hinge release, and I think that's what you said you're going to be doing too. Yeah, I, I would say. I mean, I don't have a hinge release because I guarantee you, I would punch myself in the face with that thing over and over and over again. <laughs> but I have a silverback and a knock to it, and I've hunted with both. I'd say uh, probably about equal number of animals with both, and the only reason I even put the knock to it on there is I like to be able to hang it from my D loop in certain situations, uh, as opposed to reaching into my pocket. But even though I have both, I think I probably shoot a 90, 10 ratio of silverback to knock to it. And it, it, for me, I can, I can swap between the two as long as I'm doing that ratio and, and notice no degradation in uh, groupings whatsoever. But the fundamentals are what are going to fail you first. That's just what I try to focus on. Yeah. Yep. Well, I think anyone out there, and we've actually had silverbacks in stock for, we're finally starting to get some super big batches. Uh, so we've actually had some in stock here for a little bit, um, which is good because obviously this is the perfect time of year for people to to learn these and dedicate themselves to them. And there, I've had a few posts about silverback in my Instagram recently. And if you're on the fence about that, I would invite you to not just take my word for it. I would invite you to just look through the comments from people on any of the posts that I've made relative to the silverback. One is with me and my follow through um, on that bear hunt. Another one is I think I made a po I think I made two posts in a row about that. I made another post about showing someone else's silverback the other day. Um, I know Rogan actually, he just called me. He just bought two silverbacks um, and said, he told me, he goes, after Lanai, he said, I, I realized, he goes, I'm going back. I'm just going back to my silverbacks, what you taught me with. He said the same thing. Because uh, he's like, as much as I love having a trigger and a thumb release, he said, I just, I honestly just feel like I shoot better when I'm just focusing on pulling through. And it's, Because you do. Yeah. And you, for people who are... Yeah, for people afraid to hunt with it, like, I get it. You have that feeling where you pull back and you anchor, and you're like, if I let off this safety, is this son of a bitch going to fire? Because you're amped up. Um, but the more you shoot with it, like, I'm comfortable with finding the back wall, checking in a little bit, and you just, I mean, I practice in my backyard. You can replicate that feeling in the field, and I know personally for an absolute fact that I shoot better when I can just let off that safety. I put my thumb I touch my thumb to my index finger, and then all I think in my head is just pull, pull, pull. It's so much 
cleaner of a motion for me and my accuracy is so not so much better, but it is better than when I put my thumb on the trigger because you can definitely game that trigger. And it, you know, I, your brain knows that whether it's your conscious or your subconscious. And for me, it, it makes a difference, especially in the moment. Yep. Yeah. That's well in the moment. That's what you need to rely on the most. I mean, you, you have to occupy the conscious with the process and you have to be able to rely on the subconscious to have the repetition to be able to, to do the other things that matter most. Um, well, and sometimes it's awesome if you pull back and it goes off, you just taught yourself something. Maybe you need to calm down a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. People, people don't realize that's one thing I said is, um, the silverback is very good at exposing, um, your weak points and it's very good at uncovering things that you might not have ever known were, uh, variable in your shooting. And although you might, well, I remember the first time I remember the first time at your house, the first shots that I took, you handed me the silverback. I let my finger off the, uh, my thumb off the safety and it fired. And I think in a day, just shooting there with you, you had backed it and made it much more sensitive than it was when I first got there. So there's a huge variance in, you know, what I thought was correct. And I'm sure most people who are, you know, I originally thought like, all right, let's pull this thing back and I'll just hang out really heavy on the back wall, just yarding on this thing. And, you know, and my bow is wavering all over the place because I'm basically trying to blow the thing in half, which I think only Jocko is capable of doing yeah. just by pulling on it. But the more relaxed I got and the more comfortable I got and the more that you kept backing it off. So I had to release a little bit of tension, the steadier I was actually able to hold the pin on the target which was huge, especially long distance. Yep. Yeah. And that's one of the things that, that hold people back. Um, like with Joe, I told him, I said, you know, you understand the shot process and the pulling through part, but the problem with the thumb release is if you haven't trained yourself enough to really understand hand position, release angle, leverage on the trigger and preload on that trigger then even if you're pulling through the shot you can make that shot vary so much when you have a thumb trigger with a tension release or with the silverback you really have to just understand the amount of load on the back wall and then once you let off the safety how much continual pressure you build until it fires you don't have you know, there isn't as much importance on preload to the trigger or trigger leverage on the thumb or angle of the thumb. That stuff isn't near as, you know, isn't near as important. Now, the one thing I did tell him was I said, you know, if, if you do want to get more familiar with that, with a trigger style release, you really just have to take your downtime and spend more time with like, you know, like with that release trainer that I have the right release, because, that yep. thing is great for just practicing um, where to put your thumb, how much thumb pressure to have, the angle of the release or the tilt of the release or what I call the rocker position of the release. Um, and you can work on pulling through with a thumb trigger as well. Um, it's funny. I actually saw someone tag me in a post the other day. There was a guy with his release trainer and a silverback at a gas pump a guy was literally had a silver back and he's 
like while his truck's filling up with gas, he's like working on his silverback <laughs> release, <laughs> which that's, I like it. That's I, I support that behavior. Yeah, and and working on those things um, during those little downtimes, that's when you really start to to work on the precision of those. But if you don't have, you know, if you're kind of, if you take an honest analysis of yourself and you're like, okay, first things first, I really want to just get used to keeping my uh, pin in the middle of the target, letting my finger off the safety and just pulling through a shot and just learning, pulling on the back wall and coming through the shot, then the silverback's the place to start for sure with that. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to rifle stuff, I can say I've definitely shot more than a million rounds through a rifle, but I have dry-fired a rifle more times than that, meaning going through the execution, the slow, steady pressure on the trigger, all of the fundamentals that make you more successful. So even though, I mean, a million rounds is more than most people will ever shoot, I spent even more time just focusing on the fundamentals that made the shooting process that much better. Yep. Yeah. And uh, you know, if only with a bow, well, I guess the only way you can do it with the bow is with the, with the release trainer, with the right release, uh, yep. which you've got one or you can dry fire it. Yeah. I've heard is awesome for your bow. Yeah. It's very good for it. So, <laughs> 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 all right. Well, Hey, you got to get, you've got Memorial weekend to still celebrate, um, or remember as do you, I do. I'm going to go, here's what I'm going to do. Um, I spent my morning reflecting, spent some of the other morning, uh, cutting grass. Now I'm going to go get some targets set up in my backyard and I'm going to enjoy, um, some silverback action in the backyard is what I'm going to do with my time. But, Oh, I meant to tell you, I need, um, you need to send me one of your new danger close shirts. Damn it. I don't have one. All right. Well, you have you have all the boxes at your house. You should have just grabbed one. Well, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. So I just, I literally wasn't even paying attention. All of a sudden, someone's like, yeah, all well, that stuff's for Andy. And I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, it's... Not the right address. <laughs> so anyway, I'd need one. Uh, I need one for I'll sure. I'll send it. All right. I'll, I'll print you out because I'm going, I'm going into the garage. I'm going to go sculpt my guns in the garage. I need and to do then, that too. Uh, Silverback in the backyard. I like to work out first because then I'm fatigued on my bow, so it makes it harder. Oh yeah, way to way to up the ante. All right, brother. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the heck right, out man. of you. Thanks for thanks for everything you did and uh, for us in your military efforts. And uh, thanks for everything you do for archery because you're doing a lot for it. Yeah. I don't know about that, but I'm having fun. All right, dude. Go do something fun in your go do awesome shit mobile. Your your tra- your trailer that just literally came <laughs> roaring right out of an eagle's butt. <laughs> that thing's awesome. <laughs> I, I will. You'll enjoy that thing when we hunt out of it at some point. I'm sure I will. All right, everybody. Podcast 174 is officially done. Knock on, everybody. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. Knockonarchery.com. <laughs>